Well, hello there, listeners. Welcome to this week's episode of the Better Than Fine podcast. I'm personal trainer, wellness coach, and positive psychology practitioner, Darlene Marshall, and you're here for Better Than Fine so that we can help you make sense of wellness nonsense. And today, we're going to be doing something a little bit different on the show. Uh, If you've been listening to the show for a while, you know, a couple months ago, we had Rick Ritchie of the NASM CPT podcast here on Better Than Fine to talk about when you're beginning resistance training. And Rick turned around and asked me to come on his show, uh, which is always very exciting. Uh, I'm always excited to to step into anybody's podcast, but especially when it's a friend and a colleague and someone I I like and admire and and respect, of course. Uh, So he had gotten a listener email that he wanted some help unpacking. And today's episode, we're going to be sharing what was for me a pretty open-hearted conversation about a topic that tends to be sensitive for some people. Uh, Maybe ruffles a little bit of feathers, uh, both in the fitness industry and in the consumer of fitness side, um, which is how we talk about fatness and weight loss within the fitness and wellness spaces. Now, if you've been a listener for the show for a while, you know, but if you haven't, you might want to take this as an invitation to check out a series of episodes that we've been doing over the course of this year. So we kicked off January with an episode, Is Dieting That Bad?, where we had Rich Fami from NASM's product team come in and unpack with us the current scientific evidence about dieting and its effects on the body. Then he came back in April when we did an episode on fat bias and public health. So we talked about like, what is fat bias and what is the negative consequences of that when we look at it from a health and public health perspective. And in May, we had him back again and did an episode, What's Wrong with the BMI? And in this interview with Rick Ritchie, you'll hear me reference uh, the BMI being garbage. Uh, If you want some information about why the BMI is garbage and a bit of history, you can go back to May and check that out. So in this interview with Rick, we were specifically talking about not just this individual's questions, but how the fitness and wellness spaces market weight loss more generally, and what's the impact of that on all of us. And, you know, if I'm being fully honest, fully transparent and vulnerable, which tends to be my jam here on the show, um, this is always a hard topic for me. It's really emotional for me to talk about this publicly. And to give you a sense of why, less than an hour before I am sitting here talking into this camera on this microphone, recording this intro, uh, I got in an argument with my husband about my body fat percentage. That is not the first time that he and I have had this conversation. He just keeps forgetting. Uh, And I have probably had dozens of the same kind of conversation in my career as a fitness professional. And that's because if you look at me, you wouldn't think because I don't code as what people think of as fat. But my body fat percentage, when you measure it, is over 30%, which is the clinical definition of an obese person. And what that means is that people are talking about my body all the time without knowing that they're talking about my body. So even having this conversation with Rick, who is my friend, who I deeply trust, it is uncomfortable for me because this email is talking about the necessity for weight loss but I'm one of those people that they think they're talking about. So you'll also hear me reference in this episode a statistic that one in three people, one in three Americans who is labeled as obese is actually metabolically healthy. I'm one of that 30%. So on paper, if you didn't know my weight and body fat percentage, I look perfectly healthy. But according to public health experts, there's something wrong with me. And I disagree with that premise. So Rick and I come at this from a slightly different angle But we take this really open-hearted and default approach that people in the fitness and wellness space genuinely want to do good in the world. It's just a question of how informed they are in a given topic and where their comfort line is ethically based off the information they know. And that's really the approach we take in this conversation. So I'm not going to vamp any longer. Hopefully you're excited. Bring an open heart and an open mind, whatever your position is, and let's get to it. You're listening to the NASM CPT Podcast with Rick Ritchie, winner of the Share Care Emmy Award for Social Storytelling and the official podcast of the National Academy of Sports Medicine. Hey, y'all, and welcome to the NASM CPT Podcast. My name is Rick Ritchie, and today I'm reaching into the mailbox and I'm pulling out an email 
that I had gotten probably a few months ago, and I'm just now getting to, to this particular one because I needed help with this question that was asked. And this is very exciting, but I also realized today that as I was uh, reaching out to the person who sent the email, I actually never messaged her and said, thanks for the email, we're working on it, we're gonna get it out there. So today I messaged her and said that we're about to launch this um, podcast answering the question that you asked about three months ago. Now it's loaded. It is a loaded uh, email that I need support with. So let me read the email and then let me introduce the person I have who will be my guest on the podcast today to help me navigate this a little bit. So here is what it says. Email says, hi, Rick, longtime listener, first time question asker. In today's society, there's so many things that you can't say about health and fitness. I understand that phrases like the following are toxic. Summer bodies are made in the winter, and during this workout, I need to burn off food that I'm going to eat at a party tonight. Well, but depending on the client situation, diets and weight loss can be very important. With that said, what are ways that personal trainers can market their sessions geared towards weight loss clients without offending the masses? And what is allowable on social media these days? For example, I have industry friends who think that advertising a, quote, healthy recipe on Instagram is offensive and exclusive. Just trying to navigate society and not offend anyone. Please help. And thank you, Andy. Okay, Andy, there's lots done back here and lots of different directions to go. And to help me do so, I reached out to my friend, colleague, and host of the Better Than Fine podcast as part of the NASM Podcast Network. Welcome, Darlene Marshall. Hi, Darlene. Hello, and thank you for having me, Eric. I'm very excited to be back on the show with you. Uh, Even though you said it's a loaded email, I feel like we're, we're picking it up. We're picking up this heavy load together. It is. And I know because I I messaged you and and I forwarded the email that Andy had sent to me. And uh, and I could tell, I could tell when I hit send that you read it and you huffed and you took a deep breath and you paused (laughs) for a minute and you said, I don't know if I'm gonna do this. No, I know it. No, 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 I knew what I always knew I was gonna do it. And I always knew that we would have a a respectful and well thought out conversation that starts in a shared foundation of a deep belief that most everyone, and I'm not going to say everyone because I know there's you know bad actors and all and all stripes, but most everyone in the fitness industry in the wellness space, like we come into this space well intentioned because we want to help people, right? And so. Whenever, you know, whether it's a troll blowing up my Instagram or an email I get about what? the show or you sending they do me that? this. Oh, gosh, yes. <laughs> because if you're someone out there expressing an opinion online that isn't the, you know, even if it is what seems like a mainstream opinion, right? If you have an opinion online, there are going to be people that come around and tell you why that opinion is bogus for some reason, right? And so even like reading Andy's email um, where it says at this end, like, how do I navigate society and not offend anyone? Help, please. If you're out expressing an opinion, there's going to be somebody that shows up, even if it's just a bot, to say, oh, <laughs> rah, 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 rah. <laughs> right? Um, and so I think just starting with this shared foundation of if we're well-intentioned and we genuinely want to help people, how do we go about helping people well? And I knew that you would want to take that lens and that it wasn't going to be just us like throwing bombs. <laughs> right, <laughs> that's right. That's what we're here for. Well, and, and and I know this and I want to acknowledge that for your audience and my audience are a little bit different. And yeah. because mine is kind of like the, the, the greater personal training audience. And so I know that it's pretty likely that a small majority, maybe a large minority of fitness professionals that heard me read this email and give basically at the end of me reading it, give the old eye roll, right? Like, oh, you know, just the kit and gloves on this topic is so unnecessary. Um, And I think that part of this is I want to discuss why it's important, not just to slough this off, 
uh, as kind of inconsequential concerns that you might have because you, as a trainer yourself, mm. not have ever experienced any of these issues. You don't have a problem with it. You talk about what you want to talk about. You, you're all about summer bodies and that doesn't offend you and it doesn't bother a, at least what is presented to you. Uh, it, it doesn't bother anyone. You could talk about healthy food choices and that doesn't rattle anybody's cages and you have well-intentioned and very good, clear conversations from your perspective on yeah. helping to support people in this process. And so you might listen to me read that and think, I mean, I don't really understand what the big deal is. And if people get offended, they get offended. Um, but is there a way, uh, I love the word navigate is going to keep coming up, right? Is there a way mm -hmm. to navigate where you're like, well, can I still address weight loss? Can I still address this and without triggering anything in particular for the majority of people out there, as opposed to, because I think what you said is true. There's you, somebody might get their feathers ruffled no matter what you say no matter with with what empathy and kindness that it's brought forth like somebody's still going to get get rattled but is there a way to to go about yeah. this without uh by minimizing how much that you do that well and i think the the conversation starts where you just started right if we recognize that mainstream fitness industry practice, the type of people who are brought into this industry, who are drawn to this work, who are called to do this work that we do, um, are probably going to have a what's the big deal reaction, right? Mm -hmm. Because they see it as, but I'm helping people, right? If I'm helping you get stronger and healthier and better, and, you know, there's a there's an underlying assumption there that you need to lose weight and that weight loss is inherently good and more valued in society, right? And then we we would tiptoe into a conversation about fat bias and um, where are we getting it right? Where are we getting it wrong? But it is that starting assumption, right? That, that it's somehow better <laughs> to be lighter or in a differently shaped body. And that's why weight loss is necessary. And that that is the boilerplate mainstream fitness industry right. physician. And so if you have those beliefs and ideas and you don't understand why someone else would think differently, maybe they have different information or different lived experience, you do hear this email and think, well, yeah, what is the big deal? Why can't I just talk about summer bodies on my feeds? And I think what's one of the things that's interesting about Andy's email is it actually starts with recognizing that those old marketing tactics, which that's what they came from, right? Summer bodies are made in the winter. During this workout, you're going to burn off a certain amount of calories. Those are marketing strategies we used a decade ago to get people to buy our services. Oh, but, just a decade and, ago? Well, <laughs> there's probably someone doing it on socials right now, but Andy oh, actually labels them as toxic. Yeah. Right? So Andy yeah, recognizes somewhere on the spectrum, right? And all of us as practitioners are going to fall somewhere on the spectrum of, okay, where's my line of what I think is toxic? And Andy thinks that saying, well, summer bodies are made in the winter and glorifying that, right, short-term outcome strategy is, is a wrong position. But some of these other things that Andy wants to say aren't. And I, yeah. I would challenge, the first thing I would challenge the listener is, where do you think you are on that spectrum? And why do you believe that? Um, because we're all going to be somewhere. And I, I think even you and I are probably in different spots. And that's okay. Yeah, I, well, I mean, there there are things with with myself, and I'm I'm pretty, you know, I I'm fine with me and who I am, but I'm also uh, I'm relatively fit, and I have relatively low body fat, and so there are things where I'm like, and I would still really like to hit some more cardio um, once I feel like this uh, this boo boo that I have is mm -hmm. no longer bothering me, so I can cut down a little bit now. That is an individual goal that I have for myself. Um, and yet I can see how my goals for me are different than other goals for other people. And I also understand that there are people I would never go out and just tell people like, hey, I'm really trying to cut some weight, right? That's not 
something because I understand that for my body uh, and the way other people may see me, they're probably, you know, there could be like, wow, I'm, I'm really trying to lose weight. And this guy uh, has no weight to lose or whatever it is. You know what I mean? And so I want to, I want to be like, all right, well, this is, this is me and my journey. And there's a reason why I want that for me, but why do you want it for you? Because I think that there are some aesthetic goals that I have. There are some practical goals when it comes to my sport that I want to be a little bit uh, leaner so that I can, you know, have elevated gas in the tank when I go and do my, my, uh, my jujitsu. But then I want to also say continually that why are you trying to lose weight? And because we know that kind of goes against the, the history of the science that we've been taught, which is weight loss is going to help so many people with Heart disease is going to help so many people mm. with diabetes, going to help so many people. And really what we're finding is that if you have increased movement in your life, increased physical activity, independent of weight, people are better off with those numbers, with the yep. numbers of their, you know, their hypertension, with their cholesterol, with their triglycerides, with their HbA1Cs. We see that. Right. And yeah. so I am at the same time addressing are there chronic conditions that you're trying to get better? If that's the case, then can we increase movement and not focus so much on weight? Yeah, I agree wholeheartedly. Right. I think um, when I've had these kind of conversations in the past, other fitness professionals that I know are very surprised to learn the statistics that one in three people who are labeled as obese are actually completely metabolically healthy. And so we are taught as a society to think that, okay, that person's in a larger body. They must be inherently unhealthy. Mm-hmm. And again, another, another data point to throw out there is that the adverse um, health consequences of higher weight, and, and I think we both know the BMI is garbage, but unfortunately, right. most large data sets around weight and health outcomes are done in BMI because that is what is currently readily available, but it's above BMI 40, which most people I think don't have even a mental picture of what that looks like, what that means, where weight actually starts to have an adverse um, effect of the adipose tissue as an endocrine organ. And so we walk around talking and then marketing aggressively this idea that weight loss must be good, being smaller must be good, it's for your health, it's for your this, it's for your that. And again, going back to Andy's well-intentioned email, um, I think it says that diets and weight loss can be very important depending on the client's situation, right? It's situational, but when we're talking about social media marketing, we're talking about creating a public narrative that includes value judgments. Because I know for me, when I first became a trainer, I was taught to market the negative. If I was in the consult room, I was going to focus on the negative because that's how I would make the sale. Where now we're in a place no, where... And what would an example yeah. of that be? What do you mean? Um, so something like doing uh, an in-body scan, getting someone's body fat percentage, being able to point to their in-body or their caliper pinch and saying, okay, well, this is the this is the bell curve of where you should be based off medical templates. And this is where you are. So this is how much body fat you should lose. Or let's do a movement screening and let me tell you all of the things that are maladaptive in your movement pattern. That's why you should pay me to be your trainer. I'll help you. I'll teach you how to fix all of these problems, Mm. right? As opposed to how many times have I had someone in a consult where if I knew them what I knew now and they said, I just want to feel good. I just want to be healthy. I just want to make this part of my lifestyle. There is an additive positive version where now I can trust that my skill set is valuable and I know what I'm doing to the point that this person is going to want my help. I don't need to like pull a page out of that VH1 show. Um, uh, what was the dating show in VH1 with Mystery? And he would teach them how to neg women in order to pick the pickup artist. Whoa. The pickup artist from the 90s. Did you ever no. watch that show? No. Yeah, was on VH1. It was essentially about this whole like pickup culture in the 90s in LA. And it was one of the techniques that these pickup artists would use would be like subtle insults. It was called negging. What? 
Yeah. So if you insult, if you mildly insult a pretty girl, she's socially conditioned to want to please you was the underlying like pseudoscientific Ooh. psychology underneath. Yeah. And so the flip of that is as trainers, we're taught to mildly neg people in the consult room because now you think you need me as opposed to like, <laughs> I am very good at what I do. And if you want something positive in your life, I can absolutely help you build more of it. It's a completely different way to think about it. But if we're out there, we are consistently as an industry just nagging people into disliking themselves, thinking that that's how we, right? You you sell into the pain point. That's what we're taught to do. Yeah. And do we really have so little value that we feel like we have to convince people not to like themselves in order to hire us? I think we can be better. Ooh, well said. <laughs> Holy moly. Good. <laughs> Good, good man. I'm glad I'm, I'm glad I asked a follow up on that, and then I'm also uh, I'm shook a little bit to to be like, yes, that is that is very much the the state of the industry, right? And so, and and here's the other thing too. It's not like you know many people are already coming into the fitness environment, the fitness arena, and if they've if they're doing their consult, if you're at a, a corporate gym, they're doing their consult with their, their free complimentary personal training mm -hmm. uh, orientation, and you work with somebody, like there's a, a reason they joined the gym. There's a reason why they started to, to move forward with this. And this is an opportunity for personal trainers to show their value and what it is that we can do. But a lot of times, you know, we are pointing out even in an overhead squat assessment, I do my best not to tell them what's wrong, right? Like this isn't wrong. I'm just, I'm just watching you move. I'm just watching yeah. you move and I'm going to, I'm going to see if, uh, you know, how you move and if you want to feel better and move better and function better, then this is just my benchmark to allow me to see if I can identify ways to make that happen. But they're already coming in with things that probably aren't, hey, did my feet turn out when I squat? Like they're already coming yeah. in with, I hurt in some way. And whether that's social, emotional, physical, whatever it is, there's something about me that I'm looking to fix. And that is why I'm here. Yeah. Um, it's often not, I feel really good about myself and doing this is what makes me feel good about myself. But so, I mean, but those clients are also really nice too, right? Like, yeah. Like, but that's, you know, the, when we look at what it is we're solving for, we're yeah. not solving for the people who are who who don't have an issue they're they're like i'm here because i love it and i'm empowered by it and i want to keep doing it and then if you could just guide me and and help and support me in the process that's the, i mean that's rarely the clients that that we see walk through the door yeah uh, and those are those are great clients to have yeah they're what fine are the clients we have but I also, I think those are not the clients I find most rewarding either, right? Like I find the ones that are most rewarding are the people who are really struggling, especially mm. if they've had a bad experience with another trainer and Ooh, I yeah. can support them through that um, fear, that distrust, that confusion and guide them to a place where they feel supported and loved and integrated in their body and uh, uh, with a cohesive lifestyle that works for them and they're happier and it includes all of those lifestyle things that they thought weren't for them. Like those are the most rewarding clients. I mean, I, I agree, but now are we navigating still this kind of same question yeah. where I've yeah. got a one-on-one -on -one client and I can have this conversation one-on-one. -on -one. Yeah. You, let's say you, you come in and you are looking for a, uh, weight loss. And then we get down to the bottom of it. We try to identify what that is. And they say, yes, I understand. I, uh, but at the end of the day, this is, might still be something that I want to strive for. Okay. So now we as a personal trainer are looking at how can I help somebody increase their activity levels and get to the point where they maybe lose a few LBs and that's supporting them and their individual goals. But when I mention that, when I say that on social, right, that's not an individual conversation where these this dialogue has taken place. This is a statement to the masses um, that that you know people want to lose weight, and I'm here for it, right? Like that's yeah. a that's a big that's a big difference, and it's not wrong, but it's not right for a large 
swath yeah. of the population that that comes across that feed. Well, so if it's my feed, I'll own right up in this conversation. If it's my feed, I'm going to unfollow them. Partly because I disagree with the premise, but that's me. And there are certainly plenty of people who are out there who are looking for information on how to change their bodies in a way that moves them toward the goals that they want. And I think it's really important from my perspective, and, and I'm gonna, you asked me to be here, so I guess that's the one we're here to give. Um, you can say whatever you want on the internet. And if you know who you're talking to, you're not talking to the people who don't want weight loss content. They're, but when they unfollow you, you can't be upset about it. <laughs> Because you're not talking to them. You're talking to the people that want weight loss content. And you might get reactions from people who disagree with your premise. They think that it's fat phobic. They think that it's bad public health practice. They think that the science doesn't agree. That's why I would unfollow you. But if you still stick to those guns, okay, talk to the people that you are there to serve and that's who's going to react positively to your content. And then like when people unfollow me because they disagree with what I have to say, my internal dialogue is, well, good. Now you're not clogging up my feed. I know who I'm actually talking to. Right. And, and that's I the thing to that. recognize is, you know, part of Andy's phrasing was this, um, like, how do you do it without offending the masses? Most fitness right. professionals online are not speaking to the masses. They're not on the Today Show. They're not, um, you know, they don't have a best-selling weight loss book. Most of us are speaking to a few thousand followers, some of whom are bots, some of whom is our mom. Uh, and then <laughs> from there, maybe you're lucky and you have a few 10,000s, right? Tens of thousands of followers. But the people who disagree with you are going to unfollow you. And maybe that number drops, but who's left is who actually wants to hear what you have to say. Yeah, I like that. And I know that early on in social media days that I would be I would be bothered when people would unfollow me like that was that was some, because I'm the guy like, <laughs> I'm like I want to please everybody. And yeah. then I would post something or somebody would follow me and then they would unfollow me. And I didn't realize that was a strategy, like a follow yeah. back strategy. Yeah. And I was like, wait a minute, what happened? Uh, <laughs> Don't you like me? I thought you I liked me. I was trying to put really good, like neutral content out there. I'm like, well, people don't follow people for neutral content most of the no. time. So they, there's some polarization that's there or that, I mean, a lot of people follow me for, for data and information. Yeah. Um, and, and even data and information can be skewed and it can be shifted and it can be, um, spoken to in a way that creates manipulation that yeah. uh, or cherry picked data that fits our our feed and fits our perspective so we can find what we agree with and then and I know because I do it sometimes I'll look up a topic of things and I'll pull up and there are 10 studies that pop up in my PubMed search and then my uh my my journal searches and then I'll read one or two and I'm like that's not what I want yeah. That's, that's not, not helpful. that's not it that yeah, no, no, number three, number <laughs> that three one, that's a good one yeah that one confers my biases <laughs> yes. yeah 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 exactly and i think you know that speaks to what i think we're seeing online is this erosion of the expert right if if everybody's yeah. got a statistic that they can pull out of their back pocket that confirms the thing that they have to say then who do I know how to, who to trust and believe in? And then what I think starts to matter more is the parasocial relationship we form with an influencer. So someone like you, you've been, you've had an online presence for a long time. You had an in-person presence for a long time like that. You're recognized as an authority to this, you know, subculture that is certified, credentialed, ethically practicing fitness professionals. Right. And so you're someone I'm going to listen to because I'm going to trust that your statistics actually mean something. And if you're bringing someone on your show that, that you vetted that what they have to say is legit. Um, whereas some, you know, rando that shows up on my feed, I'm probably not going to give them that much weight because I'm going to believe that they're that they're speaking from their biases. And I think the other thing to consider for any practitioner listening to us who is 
either thinking about starting a social media campaign of their own, or they're already actively trying to be an influencer. What is the thing you're actually trying to influence people, not just to do, but to believe? And are you clear with you about what that is? Because I think a lot of young professionals in the space, and I was guilty of this too when I first got online and I was tracking my unfollows too, um, (laughs) is I'm just trying to get the likes and follows. I'm just, I'm just yeah. trying to build a following. I'm That's just right. trying to, I'm just trying to, if this is a career, that means what you're doing online is a business card. It's a calling card and it's representative of your viewpoints and your ethics and your values and speaking from that, from a place of authority and, and backing it up, knowing that not everyone's going to agree with you, especially now, especially yeah. these last three mm-hmm. years. And I say all kinds of things that get me unfollowed and people up in my DMs and pissed off emails. And But I know what I'm on about and the people I am speaking to feel validated and heard that somebody actually cares enough to look into this stuff for them, right? And that's my platform. And I know you have your platform and to anybody listening who's trying to figure out how to navigate this stuff, know, know what you're on about. And that at the end of the day, you can turn around and go, yeah, what I said today was real and legit. And it does really represent who I am. And the people that resonate with that need me to be that voice for them. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. And you know what else I, I think too, and this is speaking at, you know, to you and through you and directly to Andy at the same time, which is if you're going to speak to something that you are compelled to speak to. So let's say this idea that this is a healthy recipe. Um, but you are, you understand that this concept, this idea, or other people in your feed may be offended by the idea of a healthy recipe. Then I think a good idea, Andy, is to feel free to speak the way that you speak and authentically point out that I'm searching for words that point out mm. the nu- nutrient density in this. I use the word healthy and I know that that can, that can really trigger some people because I mean, whether or not it's healthy, I'm looking at the density of nutrients in the food and, and express where you're coming from and talk about what the question that yes. you ask, you are concerned. So you are trying to identify the population that's following you, the balance that you're having trouble finding that you're seeking. And this is the language that I use. And these are the concerns that I have when I use that language and speak to the audience that way. Uh, Summer bodies, right? Like you you would already said, I can see how that could be toxic. Now, let me tell you why I think that's toxic from my perspective and speak to that because you own that portion of what you already feel confident in, in, your, uh, your own self, that this is not what I like to hear, but let me tell you why, right? So when you can be clear and authentic, and then also show that you're having trouble with navigating this, because let me tell you something, like, we are all kind of having trouble navigating this in certain terrains, Yes. And social media is a shifty. It is not solid. It is not stable. It is a no. shifty terrain. It is slippery. The goalposts don't just move forward and backwards. They move side to side and obliquely. And there's, you know, in three dimensions, elevation, right? <laughs> so it's just the the challenge is, can you speak to your challenges while also identifying the message you want to portray. That's such good advice. It, it, it's, I immediately thought of an example myself. Um, so tell, I, tell. I am a weight neutral coach. I uh, have largely rejected diet culture and, and working to deprogram it. I'm happy to go down that rabbit hole if you think it would be useful for anybody. But, you know, I've had a pretty stressful year. My family's going through a lot of stuff. And even though the scale pounds haven't changed, my clothes are fitting differently. And I'm, mm-hmm. I posted a video on TikTok about the tension that I feel as a person deprogramming diet culture in my own life, who generally has a weight neutral practice. But now I'm like, oh, but I'm, I feel, I feel fluffy. <laughs> like, I don't, I don't like the way that feels. 
but at the same time have been doing all of this work to deprogram that there is an inherent tension in that mm. in the same way that Andy speaks to, you know, I thought it was very interesting that Andy's email puts scare quotes on the word healthy when she says healthy recipe, scare you know, quotes. <laughs> yeah, well, it's scare quotes, health, quote, unquote, healthy yeah. scare quotes, mm, yeah. healthy yeah. recipes. When really I would say from the anti-fat bias, self-acceptance side of the coin, it's not about healthy, unhealthy. It's about good versus bad. It's about the value judgment that people put into food choices that then become a way that other people judge you when you're in a larger body. And as somebody in a larger body who's been dealing with that judgment in my life, and I don't even have it that bad because I'm so tall. People are like, oh, well, you're just tall. I'm like, well, no, I'm, I'm chubby. Like, and that's okay. But when you're in a body that other people feel empowered to comment on and comment on your choices, and then you start telling me that my food is bad, that takes us down a slippery slope psychologically and our relationship to food. And so for me, a big chunk of doing this work is recognizing that, you know, diet culture is psychologically harmful to a lot of people. And so if we're fitness professionals who want to do good, a holistic approach isn't sacrificing what is psychologically good for what is metabolically good, right? We find the holistic mm. solution. But I think your advice to speak to this tension in the feed, right? Instead of, well, yeah. I'm, I'm just not going to comment at all, but now my business is suffering. No, 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 no. Ask them to have the conversation with you. If there is a friend who is giving, uh, you know, negative feedback when you post about the healthy recipe, invite them to do a live stream with you. Start doing some real collabs like where you that. debate yeah. it. Do exactly what you and I are doing right now right? Take somebody who you think has a different opinion than, than you bring them onto your feed and have a conversation because that's going to open it all up instead of shut it all down even harder. And that's part of the problem that we're having, I think, culturally is the shutdown instead of the open up. Yeah. Yeah. That's definitely, that's definitely the case on so many levels, which is, um, you know, a, an opinion of mine is attack on you and yeah. that, that's not that's not necessarily true, but that's how it's received. If I hold an opinion, it's different than somebody else's. Then that's it's not a zero sum game. It's not I'm right, you're wrong. Uh, it is perspective. It is environment. It is experience, lived experience that people have, and it's different. Like yeah. it's different for people. But if you're going to be on a broad platform, it is important important to identify and understand those differences so that you can kind of more more circuitously more more aptly navigate the conversations or the statements that you're going to put out on social so that people receive it a, a larger portion of the people receive it now there might be people who are like, why don't you just say what it is and say what you think? And then there are other people who are like, I really love the way that you handle these conversations. And right. And and so you're not gonna please everybody. And that's the other thing. But can you can you do this without knowing that you're not gonna please everybody, but also minimizing the amount of of offense provided? Yeah, I think I think there's a couple peels there I want to play with right? One is who are you talking to? Like, who are you trying to get the attention of? And what are you trying to, to leverage that attention for? And I, again, I just can't help but think of, you know, myself as a baby trainer out on social media. And largely, I realized later the stuff I was putting out was so that other trainers would like it, right? And be like, Oh, yeah. look at all the cool oh, stuff yeah. you can do. Right. And mm. that's, that's not who I'm trying to help. <laughs> so, so that's I was right. like, shooting at the wrong target. So that's kind of peel one. So if your goal as a trainer, and in this context, her question implies this, right? You're trying to find people interested in weight loss, gain their attention, and eventually they give you their money. And if that's what you're trying to do, then speak in their language to their problems. And the other people in the industry who react to you that can be a private conversation. It can be an offline conversation. It could be an online conversation if it serves that audience that you are in service of. Yeah. Um, or 
are you someone who is just trying to build following and then being intentionally antagonistic will do that for you, but it will also make your blood pressure higher. So just fair warning right. as a person who does that on the internet, um, <laughs> you're going to have to learn some stress scoping tactics. Um, but I think it speaks to what you're saying about what is it that we're actually trying to do in the space and in the world and holding that space and that line and that language knowing that there are going to be people who disagree with you. I'm sure there are people who have listened to me on this, on your show right now, who some of the things I have said, they're like, I'm not going to listen to that chick. What does she mean? Weight neutral. That's nonsense. And that's fine. You don't have mm -hmm. to agree with me. Um, but I do encourage you to listen to the science. <laughs> True. Oh, by the way, I just read an article. Somebody sent it to me and I don't know if you read it. I'm going to send it to you. And yeah. this is this is like an offline conversation I'm having with everybody right now. Uh, <laughs> but somebody sent me this article. And so it's a weight neutral physician that um, it's it's called uh, being weight neutral in the age of Osimbic. Is and it Reagan Chastain? I think it is. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, re article? I read her Substack. Yeah. I'm a big fan of. Reagan oh, my gosh. It was such an interesting, yeah. interesting and, article. Um, have you, do you listen to Maintenance Phase? You know, they're like, they're one of I, I have. I've listened to to some of their stuff, probably because I heard it on your podcast, which I listen to, ladies and gentlemen, but better than fine podcast with Coach Darlene Marshall. Uh, maintenance Phase is, for anybody who doesn't know, one of my favorite podcasts. And they just did an Ozempic episode as well. And of course, while I was listening to it, I thought about your episode, which was had to be almost a year ago now, right? That you did the yeah, semaglutide yeah. episode. And I remember being so proud of you for doing that episode as early as you did in, in giving voice to people who needed semaglutides as a life-saving medication and now couldn't get it. And I, it spoke to a deep anger that I have that I think is a direct product of diet culture and fat bias is we were willing to allow diabetics to suffer without medication so that richer people could be thin. And we thought that that was somehow good uh, as a society, right? As a species. Yeah. Um, and that to me is taking this tension that we're speaking to, to a really extreme level. But there's all kinds of other examples we can give where the glorification of thinness at the sacrifice of total health and well-being um, does harm. And even semaglutide use is not without harm to the body. It causes more lean mass loss than it does other forms of weight management, which mark my words, five to 10 years from now, we're going to see a downstream adverse effect for the people who can't afford a thousand dollars a month to stay on that drug for the rest oh, of their yeah, lives. Seriously. Um, and I know we're going down a rabbit hole, but yes, I love Reagan Chastain's work. I love maintenance phase. Anybody who's interested in educating themselves yeah. on different viewpoints on this. I've also done a whole series of episodes on the topic of fat bias and weight management and public health uh, on Better Than Fine. So there's lots of information out there. If you want to not, I'm not saying to change your mind. I'm saying if you want to understand the people who are reacting negatively to your weight loss content, if you want to understand why they're having that reaction, those are all resources you can use to gain perspective on their viewpoint, even if it doesn't change your mind. Yeah, I love that. Now, I know that I had this article on my phone, so I wanted to pull it up real quick. And it is, I try to be a body positive doctor. It's getting harder in the age of Osempic. And it's written by Mara Gordon, M-A-R-A -A, Gordon. Um, and it is an NPR article for those of yeah. you who want to read the article that uh, that I'm talking about on this one. But it's it really... Um, you know, as a weight neutral, that's something that, that Darlene has mentioned. So Mara Gordon in this article talks about being weight neutral. And that really goes back to the kickoff portion of this episode, which is the a lot of the things that we blame weight for is mm -hmm. uh uh is not true. And and I think it's I think it's important too. And listen, I'm gonna ruffle feathers with this, right? So a lot of times we hear people that talk about this. And they are people that live in larger bodies. And the reason we may not receive it is because we may think that that's just them talking 
trying to make themselves feel better by saying it. And so I think it's important that everybody understands that larger bodies are not inherently unhealthier bodies. And in fact, there's a lot of data out there that show being skinny, being thin and sedentary is far more um, uh, incre- far higher, greater uh, morbidity and mortality rates than more physically active, obese people. And the things that I continue to look up, and I've done a lot of research lately, and, and it started because uh, because of my diabetes. Uh, and when I started researching diabetes to write coursework content on diabetes, and I started learning about sedentary behaviors. Oh my gosh! I basically threw everything else out, and I was like, "I've got to, I've got to start talking about sedentary behavior." I remember you just—that was like I, a whole year that that's what you talked about. Uh, the whole year, and what it kept coming up today, independent of body weight. Another yep. study, independent yep. of body weight. Another study, yep. independent of body weight. And I was like, "Oh my gosh!" Here Can I take it? Our body Can weight. Can I give you weight, one more layer? Standard. Can yes. I, do you, are you familiar with the obesity paradox? Uh, talk to me. Talk the obesity me. Sure paradox is that above a certain age, and I want to say it is when you become a senior citizen, I think it's above 65, but the obesity paradox is that above that age threshold, obese people have actually better all-cause mortality and lower morbidity than people who are, soft quotes here, because I don't agree with the label normal weight, or underweight. Not scare quotes, soft quotes. Yeah, not, whatever, scare quotes, soft quotes, normal. <laughs> what is normal? Um, what is normal? That's right. right. Well, when we when we label something as normative, everything else becomes outside of the normal paradigm, right? And then we start to think of it as othered, and then we deprioritize it, blah, 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 blah. That's but the obesity paradox is that above, so people with chronic illness and those of, you know, above, let's say 65 or 70, I, I'm sorry, I can't remember the statistics, um, actually do better if they are a bit soft quotes overweight than Mm. somebody who is normative weight or underweight. The other thing that I would love your audience to consider is um, the adverse health outcomes of being in a biased group in uh, any, you know, like, so if we look at social psychology, we know that if you are in um, a group that is considered to have a negative bias in a certain social context, Sustained in that context, you will have negative health outcomes, which let me just read them. Inflammation, hyperglycemia, high blood pressure, high blood, high blood sugar, mental health and mood disorders, disordered eating behaviors, healthcare avoidance, and trauma, which are all things that we associate with obesity while also knowing that we are in a fat biased society. That's so right. oh, wow. is it an outcome yeah. of fatness or is it an outcome of the stress of being fat in America? Dang. Darlene Marshall. This is why you I'm going to get so many aggressive DMs That's from this episode. That's why Rick. you are on the show. <laughs> dun, dun, Forward dun. them to me. Forward them to me. We'll, we'll team up on it. <laughs> I'll them. take them down uh, together. <laughs> uh, Darlene, it's been an absolute delight to have you on this episode. And I want to say to, um, to Andy, thank you for the vulnerability in this message that you ask and the true concern that you had that you don't want to to hurt or offend anybody, but you have a direction or your clients may have a direction. How can I support them in a direction that, um, and speak to it in a way that isn't going to hurt other people and offend other people and not get you canceled. Um, and, you know, I, I love the idea of, of you being transparent in that struggle, right? And I think that that will serve you and that will serve your audience incredibly well and that you will, you will, be, uh, you will do wonders on your outreach and social media as you approach this from uh, from a concerned ambivalence where you are you're pulled in multiple different directions and that you're trying to support in every direction. Yeah. And and I'll just add to that to, to Andy and to anyone else. First to echo Rick's 
authentic appreciation that um, even as somebody who maybe has a different content bent on my own channels, the, the tension and the desire to genuinely do good and not being 100% mm -hmm. sure how to do that in a, in a way that doesn't uh, cause everyone some, some vitriol and backlash, uh, but to show up for that conversation. And chances are, if you're feeling this way, the confusion, the frustration, your audience is too. Like, when I look at members of my friends and family who in the past have been um, routine dieters, who have weight cycled, who are very confused about what they're supposed to do now because they're confusing, they're, they're taking in a ton of weight neutral content. Okay. But they're still having adverse health outcomes and they're not sure how to reconcile decades of marketing tactics versus what they're currently hearing and what to do to go forward in a healthful way. And so if you can speak into that tension, I think you'll find you'll actually end up getting a lot of traction. Uh, so yeah. just to throw yes. that out there too. Yes, Darlene Marshall, thank you so much for being here and for your perspective and your expertise uh, and your friendship. So I always am delighted to to talk with you. Can you let everybody know uh, a little bit about, uh, actually briefly, a little bit about you, your podcast and where they can find you? Yeah, so I'm a wellness coach, personal trainer and positive psychology practitioner. If you don't know anything about positive psychology, go Google it, Scientific Study of Human Happiness and Well-Being. You're going to want to know it as a trainer. Um, my, my show is called Better Than Fine. And you can find me on Instagram. I'm Darlene.coach. And I have a Substack called betterthanfine.substack.com. And yeah, I'd love to hear your thoughts and feedback, please. Amazing. Darling, thank you so much, ladies and gentlemen, for those of you who made it to the end of this episode, because it <laughs> is a little bit longer than most of our episodes. I want to say thank you to you. Thanks for listening. Uh, if you haven't done so yet, like, subscribe, share this with your fitness friends and family, pass this along to other people you think may benefit from the conversation that I had with Darlene, and uh, go leave us a, a, a review on whatever podcast platform you listen to. I appreciate you and what you do as personal trainers, and we want you to be successful and speaking with intention and authenticity about who you are and what you do and who you support then I think that is incredibly valuable. So keep inspiring people to fitness. Thanks for listening.